guys, we're back for another exciting episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, and I am pumped for today's guest because, one, I know who this person is. It's pretty fun whenever I get people that I'm connected to to come on the show, but two, she has got a lot of stuff going on, and she's digging into the mental side of the game, and I've watched some webinars that she's done. I've read some of the stuff that she's published. She just gets it, right? I mean, she's a doctor. She should get it, right? So tonight, we're going to dig into the mental side and how you can basically just think your way to a better golf score. So we'll talk more about that. We'll get into the weeds in a little bit. But if you have not subscribed to the show, click the subscribe button down below. Super easy. But I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Click subscribe and then turn on the notifications. That's the easiest way to guarantee every Wednesday morning when this show hits live to YouTube, you get an email. That way, you know when the episode is live. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't want to look at us? That's fine. I get it. Subscribe to this on iTunes or Google Play. You can listen to us. It's also a podcast, and it's a part of the Golf Radio Network. Got the logo right here on my shirt. Syndicated network of golf shows all the way from private club radio. We got some instruction stuff coming. We got some travel stuff in the pipeline this show. So really cool place to, a lot, to watch and listen to a lot of really great content. But tonight we're going to have Dr. Shannon Reese talk to us about what she's doing. She's actually based here in Naples. I know her. I see her. She actually, I never see her with a club in her hands. We won't talk as much about golf as we will about how she's helping golfers better their game. And I could try to figure out what she does and talk about it, but she's the doctor. So welcome to the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play and give us an overview of who you are, what you do, and what the heck's got, uh, what, what you got going on in your life right now. Hey, Ricky. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for the invite. Uh, so gosh, I have been working with athletes on the mental side of the game for almost 25 years. If that ages me, so be it. But <laughs> You started young. <laughs> I started really young. I was in diapers. Anyway, uh, last 10 years, uh, pretty much almost 100% golf. So really have sunk my teeth into the game. Golfers of all levels, um, from junior players all the way up through some professional players and everybody in between um, just have a passion to really help people unlock their ability uh, people talk about potential all the time, and I find that so many of the golfers I work with just really don't even know what their current true ability level is. You know, not thinking about the future, but let's really harness what you've worked so hard to develop. So that's really cool, and I, I have been working on my game just almost religiously for the last, I mean, I feel like 20 years, you talk about it like that, but I finally started practicing. I'm hitting balls. I'm trying to get better. I've started working with with a coach, and we'll talk a little bit about that here uh, this evening, but it's really interesting to, to, to turn the idea to the mental side, because that's something I I know that I struggle with, but I've not realized that there's, there's help like you out there to be able to help me understand what I'm doing wrong and how to fix that. So we'll hopefully fix, uh, fix me before this show's over. Now, you have a PhD in sports psychology. That's a pretty unique and very niche market. When and how did you decide this is what you wanted to study in school? Great question. So I was a competitive figure skater in my youth, um, trained for about eight years straight, six hours a day, six days a week. And that was just on the ice, not including weight training, ballet, choreography, et cetera. So pretty intense. I understand the rigors of elite athletics and I had a love for psychology. So after undergrad, kind of floundered a little bit and uh, discovered the field of sports psychology and discovered that University of Virginia had the best program in the country at the time. And so I was really blessed to go there, uh, got accepted there uh, for my master's work and then was able to stay. I was one of three um, 
who was accepted for the PhD and had the privilege of studying under Dr. Bob Rotella, who is the guru of golf sports psychology. So, you know, great, um, great training, uh, great experiences. It was very hands-on, very practical. We were not in the lab in kind of a clinical setting, um, but uh, the professors really just wanted us interacting with athletes. So that's the long story short. You know, I struggled as um, a competitive figure skater. I was the, you know, epitome of the deer in the headlights during, you know, competition and would just freeze up on the ice. And, you know, back then there weren't sports psychologists to really help. And so afterwards, reflecting on my struggles, wanting to help all performers really, um, you know, avoid that same type of experience, I needed to understand it for myself, what happened to me. And so being on the other side of it and really understanding how to equip golfers in particular to avoid um, those types of interference that really get in the way of you unleashing your best game. That is a true passion of mine. And I, you know, I'm one of these people who is so lucky to say that I love what I do. I work very hard at it, work very long hours, but I absolutely adore what I do and I wouldn't do anything else. That's awesome. And it's obvious in the way that you talk to your, your clients and, and the testimonials that you're getting from those clients. And, you know, sometimes people say, oh, well, testimonials on a website are all fake and fabricated when yours aren't. Because I've talked to people that you've worked with and they absolutely like working with you as much as you enjoy working with them. So tell me more about your new online program. I mean, I would love to be more consistent from tea to green. That's kind of a thing that I'm struggling with right now. Yeah, um, it's been a lot of fun. I went back to the drawing board and did a you know, large number of research interviews at the beginning of the summer because I really wanted to talk to amateur golfers about their struggles. I wanted to hear about their difficulties in their own words, their pain points, you know, how much it was impacting their game. And so after kind of crunching all the data, um, that group of amateur golfers pretty much shaped the final selection of the content that's in this program. So everything is targeted around helping golfers um, eliminate or minimize the different types of internally generated and external interference that really bog them down out on the golf course, inhibiting their ability to hit consistently solid shots. So the exciting thing is, is that the first group has uh, completed the program. They have all achieved uh, some significant reductions in their handicap. They are thrilled. They are loving their game all over again. And I think the best thing um, for me is when they come to me and they say, I never understood how easy it could be. And I really thought the mental game was for the elite, you know, tour player kind of athlete or golfer and not for me. And having them experience the transformation is truly rewarding not only for them, but for me. I love watching it and I love hearing the stories. So it's a six, you know, it's a six week online program that I teach live. It's not one of these, you know, here's the content, you do it on your own and I have nothing to do with it. I actually walk the golfers through every single one of the lessons and I'm right there by their side. So as they, you know, experience any sort of sticking points, we address them, we keep them moving forward because my commitment and the guarantee that I'm making is that you will, you know, you do the work, you're going to see the transformation in your game. And I can guarantee that because of all the years that I've seen it in my private client work 
And so to bring it into a group format that's a little more accessible to golfers all over the country is kind of a breakthrough for me and my business. And um, I'm really having a lot of fun. That's, that's awesome. awesome. So tell so me about the free webinar. So the free webinar um, is something that I am just kind of dipping my toe in the water with to gauge interest level. But what I like to do with that webinar format is, again, center it around a specific pain point that golfers are struggling with. And the topics change periodically, so people can kind of check back. Eventually, I'm sure I'll do some sort of subscri subscription thing. But anybody who's a newsletter subscriber of mine knows what's coming up. But um, basically, it's a way to target a pain point and inside of a 60-minute webinar, give people some very practical strategies that they can apply without me needing to be there by their side. So very simple, but you know, real things to go do to alleviate some of the struggles that they're experiencing around that. Very cool. I was in one of those, and I really enjoy the content. So keep those going. I like the idea. webinars. We were talking before we went live about podcasts, and I think webinars are they're in the same conversation as podcasts. And, and I watch a lot of CMAA webinars. They have one every Wednesday, it seems like. And I missed today's, as a matter of fact. But, but I love the content. I love just kind of learning and, and, and dissecting what, what content is provided to me. And I'm a big fan of sending my boss kind of the, the recap. So it's always fun for me to write like a page and have a notes, knowing he's not going to read any of it, just to be able to send it to let him know that I'm paying attention. Now, this one hits close to home, literally. Um, you spent some time at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. Now, that's a very, very small town. I'm from about 20 minutes down the road from there. And you studied sports psychology, which makes sense, but you also studied French and German. Um, one, tell me a little bit about your time in the Midwest in that itty-bitty town, and do you still speak those foreign languages? Uh, probably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah, Greencastle was a great little town to go to college in. Um, I started off actually at University of Richmond in Virginia and hated it, so transferred back to the Midwest where I'm from, I'm from Chicago. So um, loved being on a smaller campus, loved, um, you know, I was Greek there, so that was fun. And um, I don't know if you ever stopped by for any of Marvin's garlic cheeseburgers, but uh, that was no, but that sounds awesome. I want one. People in my diet. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a great place to go to school and started off as a French German double major and a psych minor. And when I realized that my senior year was going to be all French and German literature courses, I just went, ah, I'm not <laughs> doing that. And I flipped everything and uh, it worked out for the best. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, France is one of my favorite countries in the world. Paris is my favorite city in the world, and I have some of my best friends live in Germany. So I think that uh, I don't speak any foreign language whatsoever, like wee oui, wee, oui, and that's about all I get with the French. So, and I took four years of French in high school. So now you recently shared a blog post, and you write a lot of great content. And I'm going to keep pushing you to provide more content to the Tiburon blog post. Wink, wink. You posted a blog post titled Four Steps to Lowering Your Handicap." Care to share those four steps or at least one or two of them to give us a little taste? Oh boy, I'm gonna have to pull those back up. Can you refresh <laughs> my memory? <laughs> I haven't read a blog post. I was hoping you were gonna tell me about it. I just saw the title and was like, look, I wanna know. And I didn't have time to read it. Okay, um, well just probably not necessarily in the post, but I can give you four quick tips to you know really lower your handicap. Um, you know, one of the things is that when you're out there, you've gotta make sure that you stay present. So I think golfers, um, sometimes 
lack the self-awareness to recognize that their thoughts are actually drifting from the past to the present and to the future and all across the board. And the difficulty is, is that if you are not 100% present with your thoughts over the shot, or even while you're going through your pre-shot routine to plan the shot, if you're being somewhat distracted by what happened before this moment and what could happen in the future after this moment, you gotta recognize that you don't have 100% of your attention and your you know, mental faculties to deliver into that shot. And so when you proceed with a shot like that, which I would call an anyway shot, because you know you're not ready to hit it, but you hit it anyway, um, you run into the, the challenge of actually producing a low quality shot. So you really can't, you know, once you learn to become self-aware of the time orientation of your thinking and you know that you've drifted away from the present and you proceed anyway, you really have no reason to be disappointed if your shot doesn't come out the way that you planned. So staying present is a number one key factor that you need to keep in mind when you're out there. Um, the other side of it, I'll give you two because otherwise this could get long. Um, the other really important one would be to um, step into your shot planning process with an expectation of success. And what I mean by that is kind of think about having a pre-pre-shot routine. And it starts with one thought, one question that you ask and answer. And that is, what's the shot that I want to hit? Because I cannot tell you, Ricky, how many times I've been out on the golf course in a playing lesson with somebody and we'll step up to the next shot, wherever it is, and they'll start telling me about what they're seeing as far as trouble and where they don't want to go and where they don't want to miss. Instead of starting the ball rolling in the right direction, which is what is the shot that I want to hit, then plan the rest of the steps forward to executing that shot. Don't bring all the rest of that garbage into the equation unless you truly want those to be shot options that your subconscious doesn't really differentiate between being good or bad. And so whichever you're most emotionally charged about is going to likely be the shot you get. So I'm pretty sure Bernard Sheridan, who is my teaching professional with Impact Zone Golf, uh, I'm pretty sure you two have been hanging out because two of the things that you said there, one, rushing into the shot and just hitting it, which is something that we've been working on, of me taking a proper pre-shot routine to the point that I'm actually taking divots in the fairway with my practice swings. And then I'd step, and I remember this like it was yesterday. We we're on the first hole of the black course in a playing lesson. And I'm in the middle of the fairway, a little bit on the right side. And he says, what do you see here? And I was like, well, I don't want to go long left because there's a bunker there. I don't want to be short right because it's going to roll back into the water. Into the, water. the green slopes right to left. And he's like, shut up and hit it at the, at the pin. Like, so that's, I kind of like that you're, you're in the same. So now you justify what he's saying is basically what it boils down to. <laughs> Not that he needed any justification. Well, yeah, exactly. He's a, he, and I'm pretty sure he has certifications in everything. If you could certify him in anything, he wants it. Like he's got certifications just for being certified. So now you remind me a lot of my friend, Dr. Rob Bell. I don't know if you know him. You're active on Twitter. Have you had a chance to get to know or meet Dr. Rob Bell? I've never met him in person. I know him by reputation. Awesome. He comes to Tiburon once a year. He was, uh, he was just here not long ago and he did not play. Not very happy about that. He was here, but the last uh, last year, he and I got the chance to play some golf. And he, uh, the next time he's here, I'll make sure that you two meet. I actually wrote a little note on my on my to do list to let him know that he was mentioned in this episode because he's a he's a good friend of mine and he's from the Midwest. He's an Indiana boy, and he knows his stuff. Yes, he does. And what's funny is is he's got you know close to twenty thousand, if not over twenty thousand followers. The dude is just he's dialed in, right? And 
I could literally tweet him or send him a direct message right now, and he would respond as if I sent him a text message. Like he's on it, he gets it, and I just I love that. And and he's so motivated, and he's just he's an inspiration. So if you anybody watching at home, don't follow Dr. Rob Bell. Do because the guy is a legend in his own right and just a super nice guy i mean if nothing else he's a nice guy so we talked about social media you're active on facebook and twitter and you blog so what uh what one where do you find the time to create all this content i mean my goodness you've got so much content even the graphics that you use with the content you create are custom and cool and then two what's kind of your favorite social network to use and, and push content to well, first of all, thank you for the compliments. Uh, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants sometimes creating content. Um, and I'm still learning how to do it well. I'm, I'm a one-woman show, so you know, I've got to wear all the hats. And um, you know, the key is to um, you know, slice it and dice it as much as you can and you know, try to get it out there in as many places as you know your target audience has their eyeballs set. So for me, um, I'm trying to be more consistent on Instagram because I get a lot of engagement there, and then also Facebook. And on Facebook, I actually um, run a private Facebook group as well as my you know, regular page. Um, and that's for specifically for my email subscribers who want to have that one-on-one -on -one connection point to me, and it's inside of that private group. But um, hoping to expand a little bit you know, you and I, before the show started, talked about, you know, doing more video work. And um, so I'd like to get out to Tiburon and actually, you know, film some short snippets and whatnot on property and uh, provide, you know, more ongoing content. But I think the key is that um, you just really look for those opportunities. So I could have a, a call with one of my professional golf clients, and I've gotten into the habit of just, um sending that off to temi.com so that the audio is transcribed for me because that there's you know if i know that there was something key that i said that you know really resonated with my client on the call i'm not going to share personal details of course but i want to make sure that i take that information and i carve it up and i deliver it to my audience because i know that they'll likely find it of high value as well that's really cool, and I, I I have to take a little credit for for seeing your content being more and more prevalent in the Google Plus Golf community. So, hey, thank you for for sharing your content there, and hopefully, you've seen some engagement for members there. What's cool about the golf community, and it's not it's not me tooting my own horn because I'm uh, the reason why that exists, but just shy of twenty seven thousand members, and every time you post, those twenty six plus thousand people, boom, they get a notification that you just posted. So you're getting eyeballs. The engagement is not as high as what I'd like it to be. There's a handful of people. Rob Thomas is one. Les Bailey is one. Elizabeth Bethel is another. They're really, really good at reading the content, but they don't comment. They just read the content. They And I, they'll send me a message or a tweet or a direct message or an email and be like, hey, great content in the golf community. I love this article or that article. And I'm like, guys, comment, talk, engage. So just so you know, your content is being seen in that space. Well, I have to give you a shout out on your community that you've built because I've had a chance. Um, I, I made a point over the last week or so to really just kind of dig deep and scroll through and really see. And what is so cool about that community is the, the breadth of the content. I mean, a golfer who is interested in just about anything can go there and run a search and find exactly what they're looking for and lots of it. So if you haven't checked out the Google Plus community, um, that Ricky started absolutely make that a priority because it is amazing. And, and you've got a lot of 
really top-notch content because I have read some of it. Awesome. Well, and, and I appreciate you saying that too, because just so you know what I go through, every post, whether it's spam or it's quality content, I get an email notification and a push notification. On a daily basis, I'm sifting through and I'm not kidding, 30 to 40 plus posts per day to ensure that when someone goes to that community, whether they're a first time user or they're a long time listener, that they're getting only relevant content that makes sense and that matches what they're looking for, which is golf. And I'm glad that you see the breadth of content because it could be anything from a mental lesson from yourself to a playing lesson, to a product, to a customized golf towel, to anything. It's golf and it's for golfers. And it's been going strong since 2012. And hopefully by the end of this year, we'll hit 27,000 members. And what's fun about that is in 2012, I remember when I hit 10 members, I was so excited. I remember some of the some of the first members and Brandon Stooksbury is one of them, Jesus Martinez and just guys that I'm, I'm so excited when I hit 10 and 20 and 50 and a hundred. Now it's like the sky's the limit and who knows where it'll go, but happy to have you and your content there. Thank you. Now Bernard Sheridan, again, another shout out to him. He and I have been working so hard on the golf aspect. And when he moves something, he moves it an inch or a half an inch or a quarter of an inch. And he says, Hey, what's that feel like? And I'm like, yeah, you fixed it. Let's stop talking about it. So He's moving me in places that are very small and very minute changes, but they're making a world of difference. But I, I, to your point, I would never think that the mental side is that big of a deal. One, how do I realize that I should be worried about the mental side of it? And two, how do I know that it's right for me as a golfer? I mean, I guess you don't think about it as much. And it's the more that you talk and the more content that I see from you, the more I realize this is stuff that I should probably be paying attention to. <laughs> Well, first of all, I wouldn't want you to be worried about the mental game. I'd want you to be interested in the mental game. <laughs> Certainly not something to fear. I think there's um, there's a learning curve involved where, again, um, the everyday golfer thinks that it's something for the elite, you know, or if I'm not constantly, you know, in tournament play, then it's really not what I need. Um, but I would just say to any golfer who feels like their game has a lot of fluctuation to it. So a lot of rounds that go up and down and up and down, and especially inside of a round, if you've got a lot of highs and lows, that shouldn't be what you consider your norm, <laughs> or that shouldn't be what you aspire to, because it can be so much better than that. And um, the mental game is essentially about cultivating really good thought habits. So when you think about the technical side of the game, you're working on cultivating really good motor programs that become habits on the physical side. So on the mental side of the game, you want to sandwich the technical with the mental so that everything is working in concert and that you're not positioning yourself to have a stray thought negatively impede everything that you worked so hard to develop on the technical side. And in that split second execution of a golf swing, one errant thought can change your swing tempo, can change your swing plane, can just shift your attention from your target to the ball. And your job is not to hit the ball for anybody who's wondering. <laughs> so, you know, little things like that cause us to push and pull shots, to quit on shots, to, you know, chunk them, hit them thin. And um, as a result, you're going to get inconsistent outcomes. And so um, for any golfer who really wants to see a lot more sustainable performance levels in their game, I would say absolutely investigate the mental side of the game. And it doesn't mean that you have to hire a sports psychologist, but just start 
doing some searches on the net, get your brain wrapped around the importance of thought habits. Instead of being a passive bystander to how you think throughout the round, and I can guarantee you are thinking a ton throughout the round, likely not about the right things. But instead of being a passive bystander, make sure that you are an active script writer of your thought habits and that they're leading you in the direction of where you want your game to go. I like to say, I mean, think about it very simplistically. Every thought has the potential to become your next golf shot. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's tweetable. You should tweet that. <laughs> now, I didn't tell you before we went live, this would fly by. So we're not, we're not quite halfway there yet, but I got one more question on the front nine before we have some fun in the back nine. Now, you mentioned, you kind of stole this question, but you mentioned Dr. Bob Rotella. I've met him numerous times and he would have no idea who I am, but I would know him from Adam. He is just an awesome guy. He's got so much knowledge and so much insight into the mental side of the game. What's your favorite memory of your time working with him or, or a story that's something fun about your, your time with, with that gentleman? Um, I think one of the best times, and I think you would ask any of the graduate students what their favorite memories were. And I was actually being invited to his house, just like one of his elite athletes who would come to town and sometimes they were present, but we would get invited to his house and his wife, Darlene, would make some dinner or some snacks. And we would sit in the basement, you know, just in a big group, and we would just talk mental game. Didn't matter what sport, but we would just talk about peak performance and how to really help athletes harness the best performance possible and, you know, what some of the challenges were. And he would share stories of his work with, you know, professional athletes from you know the Olympians he'd worked with to the you know world-renowned equestrians to the golfers etc everything in between so those those times where we were just kind of campfire you know setting in his basement were probably some of my fondest that's cool I, I I can just imagine how long those conversations would last and I have a feeling the food was a nice little perk too because I, she yeah she's probably a good cook <laughs> now now as we jump into the back nine here, this is, this is a unique back nine because you don't play a lot of golf. And a lot of the questions in the back nine traditionally and historically have been golf-related. How far do you hit your driver and what golf ball do you play? Not tonight. But I still was able to find some good questions for your back nine. So let's let the hair down and have some fun. Are you ready for your back nine? Absolutely. Love, love, love your logo. I love the colors, I think, more than anything. Who designed your logo? Cynthia Creative is the name of the company. Very cool. I, I wanted it to be like, I drew it on a napkin one time. Like that would have been fun too, but Cynthia Creative is nice too. Well, now, no, she, uh, so I went to her with the concept. She put it together. Basically the three colors and the three rings signify the three arms of my business. So it's sport, business, and life. So sorry. Okay. Hey, it's live. We're on, we're, you know, that happens. Speaking of the phone ringing, and this is completely unrelated, I was in the, in the line at the grocery store just earlier today, and a phone starts ringing, and I'm like, wow, that's really loud. No, it was the cashier, and she pulls the phone out, and versus turning the phone off and printing it to vibrate, she sticks it back in her pocket and let it ring until someone picked up her voicemail. So I'm just saying. It was louder than your phone, though, so it was very loud and obnoxious. You spend a lot of time at Tiburon. You're not playing, but you spend a lot of time out there on the golf course. Do you prefer the gold course or the black course? They both have uh, benefits. So um, I like how you look so positive. They're both so hard. Like, <laughs> no. 
they play differently. They really do. I mean, the black course plays a lot narrower. The gold course, um, I think, is more visually appealing to the eye on some holes. But there's beauty in both of them. There are challenges in both of them. I'm certainly not going to say that there are things to be afraid of because that's not the way I roll. Yeah, bunkers um, and gators and woods and yeah there's a lot to be afraid of they're called architectural design features oh yeah that's what they're called they're called hazards and i find them <laughs> <laughs> no so I, I don't have a preference um i think my clients prefer well i can't even say that it's about 50 50 of what they prefer i dig it two totally different golf course experiences yeah. that's for sure so let's uh let's go grab some food what's your favorite restaurant in naples and it has to be naples not astero not bonita not marco in Naples, where's your favorite place to eat? Oh, golly. There's so many. Campiello's. See, I've heard, I've never been, and I more oh than one person gosh. has told me that. Is it awesome? It is awesome. Okay, fine. I don't like Italian food, though. What do I get if I go? I don't like Italian food. That's pretty much what they serve. <laughs> it is. It is. But, I mean, it's not just the food. The food's outstanding, but it's also the atmosphere. And, you know, going out there when they're doing the live music, is fantastic. Okay, fine. I get an appetizer just so I can see it. Now you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy golf movies. What's your favorite golf movie? Tin Cup. See, right? That's such a good movie. I wish more people would say that. It's so good. It's so good, but I mean that hits home for me. So now I I was drinking, but I finished it because I am thirsty. I was drinking Cabernet. What uh, what kind of wine is is in your glass? Are you a wine drinker? I am a wine drinker. Um, my preference, it would depend on what I was in the mood for. If it was white, it would probably be a nice uh, Sangiovese, maybe? Um, Pinot Gris, something along those lines. Something light, but uh, for red, definitely uh, a jammy Malbec. Ooh, I love that word. That's you should work at Total Wine more. That's a good <laughs> word there. The sell wine is jammy. Gotta be jammy. And if you got if you've never tried Ghost Block, which is one of the cult wines from Napa, never even heard of it. Oh my gosh! Well, you have to you have to like call Dean and Deluca in Napa to get it. And it's that's not why I probably never heard of it. It's <laughs> way out of my four ninety nine a bottle. <laughs> yeah. a little special treat, but Ghost Black or if you can get your hands on a David Arthur. Okay, good to know. Now, I know you don't play a lot of golf, but if you did, who would be in your perfect foursome? Uh, men or women? Does it matter? Doesn't, doesn't matter. And sometimes it's alive or dead. they got to be alive because let's say you're going to have your perfect foursome. It can't be like Abraham Lincoln. That doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Um, probably uh, the guy who's on the wall behind your head. So I'd want to play with Tiger because I'd really want to see him. I want to see how he thinks. I want to see how he makes his decisions for 18 holes. I would probably put Jordan Spieth with him. I would like to see Michelle Wee. Tiger would win by six, just so you know. Pardon me? Tiger would beat Jordan by six, just so okay. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so those would be the three in my foursome. Okay, I dig that. And you talk about him being just above me. No, he's all around me. I collect Tiger Woods memorabilia. And I do drive a red and black car, not because I like those colors, but because Tiger wins red on Sunday. And I'm not kidding. So it's, I'm his biggest fan, self-admittedly. It was funny. I met a lady earlier today. And she's like, oh, I'm his biggest fan. And I'm like, no, you're not. 
<laughs> we talked about it and she's like, yep, I'm second fiddle to that. So she got it. Now you have a lot going on. Obviously you've got a lot of things to offer to golfers. I'm curious, just give us, this is your, your elevator pitch. Tell us where people can learn more about you. Where do they find you? Where do they contact you? Just let let us have it. Um, the easiest place to find me, if you're not going to find me on social media, is my website, trainingfor-optimalperformance.com. And I know that's a mouthful. Um, the link will be in the description down below. So right, don't worry perfect. about it. Make it easy for people. But um, that's where you can connect with me. So I have a contact page. You can sign up for my newsletter, which gets you an automatic invite into that private Facebook group. But if you're more inclined to be on social, you can find me at Dr. Shannon Reese on Instagram, on Google+, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and on Facebook. So pretty easy to find me. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say you know definitely come to the website if you're looking for some opportunities to get your hands on some really high value um, free content and resources and um, make a point of joining my newsletter so that you can get inside that Facebook group. I'd love to have you in there and I would love to have you sharing your, your questions, your concerns, your wins, your you know, everything on the Facebook group and give me a chance to get to know you better in your day. That's awesome. Let's talk about this guy one more time real quick. Now I asked this in every episode of the show and I will until he retires and I might even after he retires, but be careful how you answer this. Cause I'm going to see you at Tiburon tomorrow. So do you think Tiger breaks Jack's record? Why or why not? I think he absolutely has the ability to break Jack's record. Okay. That's such a good answer. We're done. Show's over. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, uh, his foundation absolutely equips him to do that. Um, I think what he has been through, you know, really kind of going to the deepest, darkest place he could possibly go in his game and watching him, you know, find that ladder and climb his way up out of that pit and to see how he performed. I mean, I've been referencing his performance at the PGA Championship for, you know, how many weeks now? <laughs> because I was so impressed with what he said after Sunday um, about where he was after his warm-up. And that said so much to me about how he is rebuilding his mental disciplines and his toughness. And so um, that alone, I think, you know, because you cannot take anything away from his physical talent. I mean, the guy's gifted. And so you combine that with his his mental toughness, and I think he still has a lot of great golf in him. You give him, in my opinion, 10 more years of healthy Tiger, I think he breaks the record by two or three. It's just he's a year ago, literally a year ago, a couple of days ago, he couldn't walk. Mm -hmm. and now he's swinging 145 miles an hour, hitting the ball past 95% of the guys on tour. And he just, he, he you're right. His, and nobody in the history of any sport has been as mentally as tough as Tiger because he, when you talk about rock bottom, was on the side of the road getting arrested for a DUI. Now, it wasn't alcohol. Anybody watching that's saying, oh, Tiger's an alcoholic, go read the articles. It was prescription drugs. It's, but he was still getting arrested, and he had a mugshot, and that was that was rock bottom, right? Mm -hmm. And now he's got seven, ten deep watching him play practice rounds on a Wednesday. And, you know, I... I am excited for what's next, and I like the fact that you're just not like, no, he's not going to break the record next question. So I appreciate that, and so does the guy above me on my shoulder here. So, oh, and so does a huge segment of the golfing world. <laughs> so Absolutely. They would really 
Now, your final question of your hashtag Wednesday match play is, what's next? I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on, but what's next for Dr. Shannon Reese? Um, hopefully, uh, joining you in the realm of podcasting. Do it, please. Like, I, what's funny? So, I'm a part of the CMAA. They just started a podcast. I follow Untapped, which is without getting into it, it's an app on my phone that allows me to track the beers that I drink. In the past six, ten months, they started a podcast. Everybody's starting a podcast. Troon started a podcast. Not saying that I'm the one that started it. There were podcasts many years before me, but it's exciting to know that podcasts are alive and well. I listen to Dave Ramsey on a daily basis. I'm really, really big into electronic dance music. I listen to about 10 different DJs' podcasts. Get a podcast. Do it. You've got my full support, and I'll subscribe. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so much fun getting to know more about you and all the stuff that you got going with the mental game. It's something that I obviously, and Bernard is telling me that I need to spend some time on. So you never know when you're going to see me sending you an email saying, hey, let's figure out how to get this thing to work. But it's really fun to know that that's such an important part of the game and that you've been able to work with so many golfers and have seen the success on and off the golf course. So it's really cool to, sh to share that with, with everybody at home. Like I said, the link to your website will be in the description below. And we'll share this everywhere to make sure as many people are exposed to what you're offering with everything that you're doing, trying to help increase the awareness of the importance of the mental side of the game. This episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play presented by Eat Sleep Golf. It's really easy to find. It's on YouTube. And again, if you haven't subscribed, click the subscribe button. Turn on the notifications. You don't want to look at us. I get it, even though this is a cool shirt. I'm just saying. You can subscribe to the iTunes or Google Play podcast. You don't have to look at it. You can just listen to us there. Make sure you also subscribe. Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome. I'll see you at Tiburon because you're located right here in Southwest Florida. And as always on the hashtag Wednesday Match Plays, you have to remember to eat, sleep, golf. <laughs>